Father, we thank you for forgiving our sins. Lord, for washing us in your blood, your bleeding word. We thank you for that tonight, Lord. Lord, I pray you would wash us once again. How we need to be washed from our own carnality. Lord, from our own thoughts and what we want to do. Lord, may we be so surrendered to your will for our life. Lord, that no matter what comes and what goes, we can just stay focused, Lord, on the goal of knowing we're going home one of these days. And I believe, Lord, that time is soon. I pray you would help us to focus on that, Lord, to be washed by the water of the word, to stand under the spout of it, Lord, even sometimes if it hurts. And Lord, it takes away the fleshly part of us. Oh, God, would you just do that tonight? Lord, encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Help us where we need to be helped. Heal us, Lord, where we need to be healed. We'll give you the thanks, Lord, and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn to, with me to Deuteronomy chapter 33. Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 12. Such a privilege to be in the house of the Lord and, and to be one of his children tonight. And and to know that if we're his children, he wants to feed us something good. And we could say, uh, I believe that something good is about to happen. Yes. Amen. Do you believe that? Yes. Uh, because we are his children and we are, uh, we are the sons and daughters of God. Deuteronomy 33 and 12 says, And of Benjamin he said, The beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him. Now watch what he's saying. The beloved of the Lord, or what would be understood to be the Messiah, shall dwell in safety by him. In other words, he'll be a protector. And the Lord shall cover him all the day long. And he shall dwell between his shoulders. Now remember, that's the second part. That's the blessing. It's not the birth path. The birth path was Benjamin will be a ravening wolf. Here's the blessing. He said, the beloved of the Lord, the Messiah shall dwell in safety by him. And then Joshua chapter 18 and verse 11. Joshua chapter 18 and verse 11. Sorry about that, Brother Gabe. I um, am constantly having problems with my microphone, and I don't understand why. I've got the best microphone of all of them, and I think it's me more than it is the microphone, but that's just the way it goes sometimes. I was in that birth path. If something can go wrong, it will go wrong. But aren't you glad we're still the children of God? Amen. Amen. I've got a lot of rebound in this. All right. Now, you can turn me down. People can probably hear me without a microphone if they have to. Joshua chapter 18 and verse 11. It says, And the lot of the tribe of the children of Benjamin came up according to their families. And the coast of their lot came forth between the children of Judah and the children of Joseph. So watch the position there of the tribe. I pray the Lord would add his blessing to the word. You may be seated. Sounds a lot better. As we said, Benjamin's birth path was one of pain and sorrow, which would result in the tribe having a warlike nature and, and, and always be striving and always be warring. And yet the prophecy spoken about them was that the beloved of the Lord would dwell in safety by him. In other words, Benjamin would help secure the borders of Judah and Joseph and the coming Messiah. 
that it would actually be there. And, and I think I put a, a copy of a map on there where you can see it. Benjamin is the smallest tribe, and you can probably barely see it on the map. It's right there in the middle above Judah. You see how much land that Judah had? You know, this kind of proves to us God is not a communist. <laughs> Jacob had 12 sons, and this is what they ended up with. Because, and, and, and you realize that, you know, that's a very good picture, actually, of talent and, and, and actually of gifts, natural gifts that we have. Some of you all down there in the blue, and you can, you can preach, and you can sing, and some of you all can witness and testify and have good personalities, and some of us is up there with Zebulun and Issachar. Some of us might be down there with Reuben or Gad or Asher, but then there's Benjamin, the smallest of the small right there in the middle, yet it has a key location because of where it is, because Benjamin took up most of the city of Jerusalem, was actually in within the borders and the boundaries of the tribe of Benjamin, and so it, if Benjamin fell, if Benjamin ever fell, then Judah, Jerusalem itself, would be at risk. And so it was necessary. In fact, the only part of Jerusalem, according to tradition, that was in the borders of the tribe of Judah was actually the temple itself. And so if Benjamin fell, the temple was at risk. And so God needed a warlike tribe to be on the border. You understand that God doesn't, when he saves you, he doesn't change your flesh because he wants to use you. Yeah. And yet, there's a part of you that could go into, go to seed, if we could put it like that. It, if it becomes, if left unaltered by the new birth, that it could actually become something completely wrong. Yes, sir. Amen. Are you with me tonight? Yeah. It could come completely wrong. But now, if, it's, if the new birth can, can take hold, and that's what we need. That's what we need to get our children to. That should be our main yes, desire when it comes to coming to the house of God. How can we set an atmosphere where people, where children can be born? Yes. And I don't mean just these little children, but adult children. People can be born into the, the holiness of God. People can be born into, have a new birth experience. And, and so all of our different personalities, God uses that. But then he tempers that by the Holy Spirit. Yes, and yet he will not place any more gifts in you, Brother Gabe, than what you already have. Right? right? Because gifts and callings are without repentance. So whatever these kids actually are going to be in the church, if the Lord tarries, whatever gifts they might have for the church, whether it be music or whether it would be uh, preaching, whether it would be hopefully just the boys will have a gift to preach. But, but, but there would be... Uh, there would be different gifts. We always said that if there was a real gift to preach in my family, it was my mother. I know she's probably watching tonight, but because but, uh, she can really talk and, and, and get her thought across to people. And she's got a zeal for the Lord. But, you know, uh, you know, God didn't call women to preach. He called men. But, so, but if you were born as a man, if you had a gift to preach, that was in you at the beginning. Now, you can even take that gift and, and, and ruin it. Right? And make it where your life where you could never preach again. You could actually take that gift and, and, and give it to the devil like Elvis Presley. But Branham said he had a gift from God to sing. Yeah. Right? And you could give that to the devil. And, and, but God, so here was Benjamin who, was, who were given a gift. The tribe was given a gift to be like a, a ravening wolf. That was their gift was to be warriors. And they were placed in a very key position. 
And yet, many times you see, sometimes you see them using that for good, and other times you see them using that for bad, to the point where it almost destroyed them. So we've got to be careful with the gifts that we have and what, what's in our life. And the, uh, because this modern age where it always is, well, just be what you are. Sometimes you don't want to be what you are. Because what you are might be, put you in prison. Uh, well, I want to be myself, Brother Ben. What you are may not be what God wants out of your life. But he wants to mold you. He wants to cut you. He wants to make you into what he wants you to be. And he'll use disappointments to do that. He'll use trials to do that. He'll use the death of a loved one. He'll use a, a church situations. He'll use problems around people. He'll use everything he can to try to bring you to where you ought to be. But the problem is many times we want to remove the obstacle when he already put the gifts in your life to be able to overcome that. Right. Right. right? But we want, just want to do away with the obstacle, but many times that's not what he wants. Benjamin as we said, included most of the city of Jerusalem. And so it was necessary for them to be warlike. That was needed, but not to the point where it caused their own destruction. You'll find that when the kingdom split, in 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 35, you find the, the prophet speaking to Jeroboam, I believe it was, the king that would take away, or Rehoboam, that would take away uh, the ten tribes of Israel. He says, but I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand. He's speaking now of Solomon. Now, Solomon was God's man, but he went after false gods by marrying wives from Egypt and different places, yes. right? So he says, I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand. So God wouldn't do that to Solomon, but he said, I'm going to take the kingdom away from his son and we'll give it to thee, 10 tribes, right? Now, remember, there was 12 tribes of Israel. So God takes away ten. And unto his son will I give one tribe. You say, wait a minute, that's eleven. But David himself, his tribe was the tribe of Judah. So he said, I'm going to add one tribe to the tribe of Judah. Benjamin. Right? Because Benjamin was necessary. Are you with me now? So the way that you were born was necessary. The way that you were brought up was necessary. God needed you. Are you with me now? Brother Brandon talks about how some men are fine and cultured and some men are, are but you got to find where you fit. And you can't press out and say, well, I'm going to go be a preacher because God may not want you to be a preacher. He may not have built you like that. Are you with me now? You may not be able to handle it. Even among preachers, there's a difference in gifts. Even among people who do things in the church, there's a difference in gifts. And maybe God will use you even for a time in a certain way, but then there's got to be a point where you can't go beyond what you are. And you find the story of that is Uzziah, when he actually tries to step into that priestly role, and when he does, he gets in trouble and gets leprosy. Because he's a great king, but a very poor priest. Right, so we need to stay where God puts us. Right, and, and sometimes, like I said, sometimes you wear a lot of hats. Brother Branham was, did the work of an evangelist, but he was a prophet. Right, and he said, I can't do both at the same time, and he struggled with that. But God told him to do the work of an evangelist. 
Right? So there's sometimes you'll do the work of someone else, but there's something that God wants you to be. And part of becoming who we are at the end time, the bride without spot or wrinkle, is being positionally placed by God into the place exactly where he wants us to be. But we can't get an idea of ourselves in our own head. This is what I'm going to be. Because that's not what God wants us to be. The tribe of, of Benjamin. And we'll get into Saul one of these nights and talk about how a misfit Saul was. Even though the people thought he would be a great fit. But he was a misfit as a king. Because he was never secure in his position. In other words, like he wasn't meant to be a pastor. right? Because he constantly was worried about what other people were doing. And you can't do that. In a position of leadership. He wasn't meant to be king. And, and so God. He, he, but he was allowed to be in that position. But he wasn't from that tribe. The tribe of Judah. That's where God would bring kings from. Amen. So you have a man who looks like a king. But his birth path is something else. And then you've got a man David. Who doesn't look like a king. Right? But his birth path is. Amen. He's from the right tribe. So God will make him into a warrior, into a, into a king. You understand? Yes. Now, so he said, I'll give, you, I'll give you ten. God still needed. God still needed the one tribe. David, my servant, may have a light hallway before me in Jerusalem, the city which I've chosen to put my name there. Now, under this birth path, Benjamin, under the ravening wolf, Benjamin was a tribe of left-handed fighters. That's a strange pathway of life, isn't it? Sometimes we, we shut other people off just because they're different, but people are allowed to be different. Yeah. Right? And so we find interesting people uh, in, the, in the line of Benjamin. We find in Judges chapter 3 the story of Ehud. Ehud, the left-handed assassin. And the Bible says the children of Israel did evil again. Such a sad story in the book of Judges because over and over... They were constantly backsliding, going back and doing exactly what they were delivered from, like a dog to its vomit. And so it says, the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek and went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. And what that is is the city of Jericho. Think about it. Here come an enemy and actually possess the very city that was the first city that was taken by Joshua. Yes. So they've actually lost the very, oh my, if that isn't what the devil did. When he come and he took the very first fruits of the church, the Holy Ghost, the, the power of the Holy Ghost, he comes and takes it away from the church. He took their greatest victory away. Their greatest victory. And so the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. 18 years they served him. But when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, aren't you glad you can still cry unto the Lord tonight? Yes. Don't worry, I'm not going to hold you all night. I got more Wednesday nights for this. The Lord raised him up a deliverer. Ehud, the son of Gerah, a Benjamite. Why would God use a Benjamite for this purpose? Now, God used different tribes for different judges at different times. But here was a time he needed a Benjamite. Yes. There might be a time God needs you. Yep. Sure. Right? Some men are real quiet. Some men are outgoing. There might be a time God needs that. Yes. <laughs> Some people always say the wrong thing at the wrong times. There might be a time God needs that. 
That may seem strange to us, but God knows what he's doing. But you better keep it centered to the word. Right? Because if you don't, if you don't stay under the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life, that birth path will run you off in the wrong direction. Because now, he says, it was a Ehud, the son of Gary. Ehud was different from most of the men of that day. In fact, to be left-handed was so rare that they didn't even search a man on his, left, on his right side because you would draw across your body like this if you were drawing a sword. And so they would only search on the left side because most men were right-handed. Like the TSA agents today, you know, you go and look at, at what they're doing and you think, man, they only search the little old widows and leave the, uh, excuse me, but they leave the people who look like terrorists alone. I've always wondered at that. Well, that's the way these guards were. But so God needed a left-handed man. Brother Stewart, aren't you left-handed? God needed a left-handed man out of a left-handed tribe. Right? Because he needed something different. Yeah. Well, I hope you're hearing me tonight. I know this isn't maybe as, as, as good as fresh meat maybe as what we had on Sunday, but I believe it'll do you some good. I believe it'll do me some good. And Ehud made him a dagger which had two edges of a cubit length. So it's about a foot and a half long. And, and, and it's, it's double-sided. So he's already planned what he's going to do with it. These Benjamites think differently than other people. Right? He thinks differently. He's just born that way. He's a fighter. Right? That's what God needed at this time was a fighter. And so he thinks differently about it. He thinks he, he, he's so caught up in it that he actually makes a dagger himself. It's got two edges. It's a foot and a half long. And these people have been, you know, they've been, had threats on the king's life for 18 years ever since the Israelites took them over, or they took over the Israelites, so they're not, they've gotten kind of complacent in their job anyway. And so he girded it under his raiment upon his right thigh, and he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab, and Eglon was a very fat man. I just love the honesty of the Bible. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not in it. <laughs> if, if there's a... I believe there will be another book of Acts written about the bride, but I hope they leave that part out. <laughs> Benjamin was a very fat man. Eglon was a very fat man. He was fatter than I am because I don't even think I could hide an 18-inch knife when it comes to if I got stabbed with it. And it says when he made an end to offer the present, he sent away the people that bear the present, but he himself turned... Uh, uh, he says, he made an end to offer the present. He sent away the people that bear the present. But he himself turned again from the quarries that were by Gilgal and said, I have a secret errand unto the old king who said, keep silence. And all that stood by him went out from him. And Ehud came unto him and he was sitting in a summer parlor which he had for himself alone. And Ehud said, I have a message from God unto thee. And he arose out of his seat. <laughs> Sometimes God needs to send this kind of message. The message from God isn't always what we think it ought to be. Right. Yeah. Ehud said, I got a message from God for you. And he wasn't lying. Yeah. <laughs> he said, by the way, God hates what you're doing. <laughs> he took his left hand. See, I, I'm so right-handed, I can't, I can't do that. I can't even draw from my left side. And that's the way these, this, the Moabites were right-handed. Just the way they were. But Benjamites were left-handed. And so he took his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh, 
thrust it in his belly. Now, and, and God used that so much that, and he was built so much for that job that after he did that, he went and rallied the people of Israel. And in verse 30, it says, So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest fourscore, which is 80 years. <laughs> That's a long time because of a Benjamite. God can use a Benjamite. But now, again, the birth path with the blessing is what God intended. But the birth path alone would bring only sorrow. See, our flesh alone, if left to its own devices, is going to get in trouble. We can apply that to our children. If we just leave our children alone and don't set them in any kind of a right path, leaving them alone to do what they want to do, they'll do what they want to do. And they'll actually end up in a place where you, that you never wanted to see. You say, well, I'm just letting them make their own decisions. A two-year-old or a three-year-old or a five-year-old or a ten-year-old or a fifteen-year-old yeah. doesn't know what gender they want to be. Yeah. Huh? They don't know what, what, what sex they are. What, they don't know. They could be confused by the Internet. I saw a teacher the other day got on there and said, well, you know, uh, he said, these kids, he said, they think they are, so we've got to tell them what they are. He said, and tell them about this. He said, if we don't teach them about this, he said, because they're already trying to change, play dress up and things when they're five years old. Well, of course they do. Spank them on the rear end and, and tell them which one they are. A little gentle stimulation and tell them which one they are. Excuse me for being, but you know that, say, well, I'm going to let them decide whether they want to go to church or not. Well, of course they're not going to decide to go to church. You don't want to go half the time. Sometimes I don't want to go. I heard this story of a man that wanted to stay home. I may have told it to you before, a man that, and he was, and his wife was trying to get him up on Sunday morning, and, 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 and he said, but the people down there hate me, and, and she said, honey, you know you have to go to church, and she, he said, no, the people down there hate me, he said, he said, nobody, nobody likes me, and, and I'm, not, I'm not even good enough to go to church. She said, but you're the pastor. <laughs> of course, they're not going to feel like going. We don't feel like going half the time. But God wants us to break the cycle. Yes, sir. Put them, he said, set them in the straight paths. Yeah. Let, let, your, let your foot be set in the straight paths. So now the cycle that needs to be broken is the birth path alone Becoming a person's destiny. I don't know what God's going to do with little Luke back there. Just turned five years old. But whatever God's going to do with Luke, maybe it has something to do with dinosaurs. I don't know. But God's got something to do with that young man. But then it's, it's his parents' job, you understand, to set him in, in, a, in a godly course. You can't save your kids, but you can, you can put them right there. You can get them right up to the doorstep of salvation. But God's got something. That's why kids are so different. God's got something for each one of us to do. That's the terrible thing about this doctrine today. We can just all separate and sit out in our own houses and listen yeah, to tapes. And, uh, what, it completely destroys the whole identity of a church. Yeah. Right. A church is meant to be different kinds of people. Yeah. Learning how to get along with each other. Yeah. Learning how to deal with one another. Yeah. Are you with me now? That's what it was meant to be. That's why God didn't, he didn't even marry you to somebody like you. He made you marry somebody different so that you'd learn to get along with each other. 
I meant to ask you, Joel, what's going on? You haven't sat with your wife in a long time. <laughs> Joel's sitting up here to support me. I appreciate that. But <laughs> God married you to somebody different, didn't he? <laughs> Amen. Now look, I'm going to get in trouble tonight. <laughs> somebody help me. God wanted to use that weakness. Now, what generally makes a man a fighter is insecurity. Benjamin would have been insecure because of how small they were. Look what Saul says, and again, we're not getting into Saul tonight, but, but just kind of as a preview, when they come to Saul and said, you're the, you're the one that's chosen to be king. And Saul answered and said, am I not a Benjamite? Of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? My family, the least of all the families? Have you ever felt like that? Now, God can use that littleness to do something with. But if you, if you compensate for it by trying to overstep what you are, which is what Saul did. He was a good placeholder, yeah. but he tried to be the answer. Right. And the answer was David. Yes. Are you with me now? Yes. God don't, he, we don't always know when we step into a situation what we're call, being called to do. It may be for a time, it may be for a, few, a, a season, it may be for the rest of our life. We want to always plan like it's for the rest of our life. But God uses different people at different times in different ways. And when it's time to step aside, we need to know when. God wanted to use that littleness. He said, am I not of the, small, of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? My family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? He said, I'm from the least family, the smallest family, of the smallest tribe of, of, of this nation? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? And we find after, Sam, after Saul failed as a king, that Samuel told him this. He said, when you were little in your own sight, were you not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed the king over Israel. That's what Paul had to, had to realize as well. He had to surrender himself to the will of God and say, I'm no longer Saul, a big man. I'm a little man, Paul. Yeah. Brother Branham was like this. Brother Branham was a fighter. I'm going to get into something here about temper before we go because it's important. God help me not to have a, an uncontrollable temper. You know, an uncontrollable temper is insanity. How many knows that? I'm not preaching to anybody. I don't know anybody here that has an uncontrollable temper. If you did, I'd have already preached at it. But <laughs> I'm trying to make you laugh so you don't cry on me. Brother Branham had a temper. He was a fighter because of his birth path and the way he was brought up. And so Brother Branham was asked the question, Brother Branham, when someone gets on, on me or steps on my toes, my temper rises. How can I overcome this thing? I know the Lord will have to do it, but what can I do in my heart? I don't want this thing. What a good question that was. He said, sweeten your temper with prayer, then make up your mind. <laughs> Not doing this anymore. Right? Ultimately, God has to take it away. But you sweeten your temper with prayer and make up your mind. And he goes into a story which is very helpful to us. To understand, He said, I don't guess there's too many people in this building ever had any more temper than I did to begin with. He said, oh, I had a mouth mashed all the time. And I'd taken a lot of my meals out of a straw. He said, my mother, as you know, was a half Indian. Now watch how he goes back. 
He's going back to his birth path. He's going back to the way he was born. The genes that he had in him. He said, uh, said, my father was an Irishman. So she was half Indian. They were fighters. He said, my father was an Irishman, a Kentucky Irish at that. He said, both of them had enough temper to fight a buzzsaw. And all the time my mouth was mashed. Now notice, he said, I was little to begin with. Right? And he said, they'd just pick me up and knock me down. And I'd get up again and they'd knock me down again. Till I just got unable to get up anymore. That's always. He said, then when I got able to get up, I got up again. They knocked me down again. That's just the way I had it. Listen, kids, he was bullied in school. The prophet of God was bullied in school. And and so you understand God still loves you even if you've been bullied. Even if the kids don't love you, God does. (laughs) And I thought, now watch what he said. I thought, I can never be a Christian. Can you imagine the devil putting that into a prophet of God's mind, Brother Joe? He said, I thought I could never be a Christian. But when the Holy Spirit came into my life, that's done it. He said, no more. He said, I had a woman one time I went to have cut the lights off. Brother Branham worked for the public service, and he had to be the one to go tell her the lights were going off. He said, and, and, and physically turn it off. He said, that day I had hair on top of my head. She said, you little kinky-headed idiotic. So this is early in his life before he had the accident at the barber. He said, I told her, I said, woman, you oughtn't to curse like that. Oh, don't you fear God? She said, you little kinky-headed idiotic. I think idiotic stands in for something else here. He said, if I wanted somebody to talk to me about things like that, I wouldn't get a half-wit like you. Woo, he said, then she called me a blankety-blankety name. He said, oh, my, if that had been a year further. In other words, if that had been a year ago. He said, I always said a man that struck a woman wasn't man enough to strike a man. He said, but I might have broke that at that time, calling my mother a bad name like that. He said, but you know what? It never even faced me. Look at the power of the the grace of God in, in in a prophet's life. Look at the power of the grace of God in your life, in your family. He said, it never even faced me. You know, and... Sometimes we make excuses for things like that. Well, I'm just this way. It's just the way I am. Don't make excuses for it. Let the Holy Ghost come in and take care of it. I said, I will pray for you. He said, never bother. He said, I knew right then something had happened to me. Yes, sir. Oh, my. He said, you know the evils that I'd done when I was a kid fighting? He said, almost killed five men at one time. Realize our prophet was almost a school shooter. It's the grace of God. No wonder Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. God calls men like this. He said, I took a rifle loaded with 16 shots when them boys beat me because I was a Kentucky. No other reason. I couldn't even hold my head up. One would hold me by hands like this, and the other one would stand there with a rock in his hand, pound me in the face, so I was just lifeless. Nothing in the world. They called me a Kentucky squaw because my mother, when she was young, she looked like an Indian. Look at her picture a while ago, and they know she was a half Indian. Because I was Kentucky and her being a squaw, they called me a squaw, a Kentucky squaw. He said, I had nothing in the world to do into it. I couldn't help because I was born in Kentucky. I went down there to school. I didn't even have no clothes to wear. My hair hanging down my neck and pop. Mom took Pop's old coat that he was married in, cut it up, and made me a pair of pants to wear to school my first time. And she dressed me with a pair of white stockings on, a pair of tennis shoes. And they said, if you don't look like a windy Kentuckian, 
He said, and then that went on all my school days. And a couple of boys, because I walked down the road with some little girl and packed her books, he said, they didn't want me to do that. They still don't like you to do that, do they, Peter? They didn't want me to do that. And they met me down there and beat me till I was simply unconscious. I told them if they just let me go, I promised that I would go right straight home. He said, they let me loose, kicked me four or five times, knocked me down. You'd be mad if you got that done to you. Scraped my face all over and went home like this up to the broom's edge field. He said, I had a little 22 Winchester rifle laying up over the door. Reached up and got that rifle full of bullets. Went right down through the locust thicket. Hid by the side of the road to those five or six boys coming along there. Just waited until they come. And when they was coming there talking, said that Kentuckian will realize where he's at from this song going on like that. I stepped up with the hammer pulled back on the rifle. I said, now which of you wants to die first so you won't watch the others? He was serious. They started squealing. I said, don't squeal because you're all going to die one by one. And I meant it. Just then they started squealing and I pulled up and snapped. The gun snapped. I threw another shell in. Snap, it snapped. Another shell, it snapped. I pumped 16 shells on the ground. Every one of them snapped. And then boys running and screaming and diving over the hill and everything. He said, and after they left, I stood there. When I'd get so angry till I wouldn't cry, I would laugh like an idiot and tears run out of my eyes. He said, now that's a temper. He said, if it hadn't been for God, I'd have been a murderer. And I picked up them shells and put them back in the rifle. And pow, pow, they'd shoot just as good as ever. Talk about grace. <laughs> How many things has God kept you from? Maybe y'all wouldn't, not everybody would want to tell on themselves like a prophet of God did. But how many things did God keep you from doing? <laughs> Are you with me tonight? And we get to the end of Brother Branham's life and his son, Brother Billy Paul Branham, gave the testimony, said this about his father. He said, the greatest miracle I ever saw. And he saw eyes created in the, eye, in the, in the sockets yes. of a little girl. He saw the dead race. He saw all those things. He said, the greatest miracle I ever saw was that you never knew his enemies from his friends. Right. You couldn't tell based on how he treated them right. who his enemies were. Right. Talk about the grace of God. Yeah. A man who tried to kill people that laughed at him, people that made fun of him, had people laugh at him, make fun of him, criticize him all over the world, and still you couldn't tell who his enemies were. God wants to change us like that. He wants to rule in our lives like that. Oh, don't you want him to? Don't you want him to? Well, it'll only happen as you give in to it. You realize the Holy Ghost is not just a cure-all for everything that goes on in your life. You still have that flesh. You still are born under that birth path, under that, those stars, under that certain setting of the moon, whatever that it was. You're still born in that family. You still have to deal with that. But God wants to come in and so control your life until all you can do is what the Word wants you to do. All you can do is what he wants you to do. But you still have that flesh living, so you've got to keep under your body. And Paul said, I keep under my body and bring it under subjection, lest having preached to others, I myself would be disapproved. Yes. Your soul is saved, but it takes grace every day yes. to keep you out of your birth path, to keep you from becoming Benjamin, to keep you from becoming a ravening wolf. I don't know about you all, but I tell you what, when I hear about the grace of God like that, it makes me want to worship God. It makes me want, I don't know how people can sit there. I hear some songs like we heard on Sunday about Jesus, the name of Jesus. And I got to listen to the, the singer sing that song. And I, I just, uh, it just did something for me. Why? Because I know what the blood of God did for me. I know what it cleansed me from. I know what it did. How can I sit still? How can I be silent? When I know what I would be without the grace of God. 
I know what I would, I would become if it wasn't for God watching me all the time, keeping his spirit right there in my life and his word there to guide me. What would I be without his love? Where would I be without his grace? Hallelujah. I got a wife that loves me, kids, I think, that love me. <laughs> they love the Lord, and I can see that they do. I don't deserve that. I got people, some of y'all, I think, really love me. I appreciate that. There's people all over the world that I've met that love me just because I was a Christian. I went to the Philippines, and they didn't love me because they'd seen me do anything good. They loved me because I was a Christian, because I was a believer of this message. Went to Africa, and they did the same thing. They loved me because of what uh, I was a fellow believer. There's people all over the world, I can say it like that, that love me. Maybe not as many as somebody else, but there's people all over the world that love me. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve to be loved. I don't have the right temperament for it. I don't have the right, I don't have the right abilities for it. But God came and changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. And then what, he, what I was born under, he could perfect that and make it into what he wants it to be. He's not done yet. All right? He's not done yet. There's no telling. If I'll stay within my calling and just be what God wants me to be, there's no telling what God will do. You realize every one of us, he wants to do that. If you'll stay within your calling and just be what God wants you to be, he said, but you don't understand this pain has altered my life. He allowed it to alter your life. Because he was changing something about your, who you are to build your character into something different. Brother Brandon broke that cycle. Benjamin, as we begin to look at them again before we close, was the smallest tribe, but they punched above their weight in military matters. Now, the number of Benjamites, we don't know exactly, but there was a, a census, military census taken. In Numbers 137, it says that there were 35,400. In Numbers 2641, it says they were numbered to them 45,600. So one says 35,400, another 45,600 they'd grown some during that time. In Judges 20, and again, this is another story that we have to get to at another day, just to kind of give you something, maybe you can go back and read it, but it, there was a great event that took place during that time, a civil war in Israel during the time of the Judges. And at that time, the children of Benjamin were numbered out of the cities, 26,000 men that drew a sword, which were num and besides Gibeah, which were 700 chosen men, it's interesting Benjamin never grew. You ever think about that? Hundreds of years passed. Benjamin didn't grow. Still the smallest tribe. I, you know, I've often wondered that. How did the tribes stay within the areas? What, what kept them, what kept the smallest tribe from becoming the biggest tribe? Well, God knew what they would be. Huh. He knew they would be fighters. And maybe over here there's another one, a, 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 a tribe that has ten children apiece, right? And Benjamin would have trouble keeping the, replenishing the stock in the tribe. We don't even understand that. Some families wonder, why, why is my family only able to have one or two kids, maybe not able to have any, and through a terrible burden that it brings on a, on a couple of infertility when they're not able to have a, a child. And sometimes you wonder, why is that? And, and, and many times I've seen God take care of that. And we have great testimonies of God taking care of that. But sometimes there's a reason. God knew how many kids you would have. He knew exactly how many you would have. And he knew how many you needed. Guess how many you needed? However many you have or will have. 
Does that make sense? <laughs> Some of y'all going, hey. <laughs> God knows. He knew all the twists and the events and turns. He said, but we did this and we did this and that. And I don't want to get too far into this. I will get myself in trouble. But you understand that God knew the events. He knew exactly what would take place in your family to make you like you are. Because he knew how many you needed. How big your tribe was going to be. Think in a spiritual sense now. God knew how much talent you had, how far you could go with what you were doing, with the position that you had. He knew what, ta- what, what, what you could do with it. God forbid that we wouldn't do what we're supposed to do. But God even knew that. Look at this tribe of Benjamin now. Judges 20, 46. At the end of that civil war, 25 of the 26,000 men died. The Bible tells us only 600 men turned and went and fled to the wilderness. Out of that entire tribe, because of their warlike nature. Now before you get too settled in your birth path and what you are, remember this. Because they did not receive the blessing part of it, they only went to the warlike part. They were tribal. They said, if you're going to come against one of us, you come against all of us. And they were almost destroyed because of it. And they were in the rock for four months. There was only 600 of them left. The Bible even tells us there was no women and no children. They were all killed off. And they actually had to go and procure themselves wives in a strange fashion. They had to actually go and steal wives to keep the tribe going. And then you find Saul born under that shame just a few years later. The Bible tells us, he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Don't let your temper get out of hand. Your temper will keep you from becoming all that you could be. Proverbs 19 and 19 tells us, a man of great wrath shall suffer punishment. For if thou deliver him, yet thou must do it again. He's going to get mad again. I know I'm hitting close to home now. You be careful with your temper. I don't even know why I'm, why I'm dealing with this tonight. But you be careful with your temper. Don't let it go uncontrolled. One of the saddest things I've ever had to deal with as a pastor, actually an associate pastor at the time, was a boy named Adam. I say a boy, he was a young man. He's almost probably my age. And he, he had come to Brother Ivy's years ago before I was there. He had a girl in the church that he liked. And, and he uh, ended up getting upset. He had an uncontrollable temper. He just wasn't raised right. Nobody ever got it under control. Listen to me. Don't let your kid's temper go uncontrolled. Right. Yeah. Your kids shouldn't be able to tell you no. But he wasn't raised right, and as far as I know, I don't know the details of it, but the steward may know more than I do about it, but he, uh, he, he hurt someone in the church. But Ivy told me he took him out from under protection of the church at the time. And a lot of people didn't understand it, but he, it, it scared Brother Ivy because it was an overwhelming temper. It just took him over. He said a lot of people didn't understand it. 
years later, he'd come back, and I was there at the time, and I remember him coming down and praying, talking to God. I, I thought, Lord, I pray that you give him the man something real, because we knew he had that temper, and we, we understood the situation. He'd come to my house, talk to me, spent time with me. We fed him hamburgers out on the grill. It's like I do many of you. He, uh, he got away from church. Another girl that he liked that was loosely connected to the church. Her family had gone to that church. And she had had a, a different boyfriend. And this jealousy, this anger took over him so much that he actually went and cut her face up where it was almost unrecognizable with a knife. Grabbed a gun, took the boy, and, and gut shot him with a, with a shotgun. I think it was a shotgun. And... It, through some miracle, the man lived. But Adam wrote me the next time I talked to him from prison. He'll spend his life there. <laughs> Rest of his life in prison because he never got his temper under control. Don't, don't, if, don't, let your, don't let your kid's temper go uncontrolled. Don't let yours go uncontrolled. Get the Holy Ghost. You're going to need it. Because you might have been born under something that's a Benjamite, where it's a ravening wolf, and it'll destroy your family one day. Right. Yeah, I think the man wanted to be right. Letters he wrote me, it seemed like he wanted to be right, Brother Stewart. But it just, he couldn't control his temper, and he has to live with that the rest of his life. And so does the girl that he hurt, and the boy. God help us today. Let God come in and change that wrath. To joy. He can do that. Yes. He did it for Brother Branham. He can do it for you. Yes. I want you to notice this as we're closing. In Deuteronomy 33 and 12, again, let's read that. He said, the beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him. What does that mean? In Ezekiel 48, 22, we get a picture in the millennium of the Benjamites. And it tells us that, moreover, from the possession of the Levites and from the possession of the city being in the midst of that, which is the prince's, between the border of Judah and the border of Benjamin shall be for the prince. <laughs> See, you weren't just born for here. Yeah. I hope you're hearing me tonight. Well, Brother Ben, I failed in everything that I do. I don't do anything right. You weren't just born for here. That's right. Sure. Yeah. You were born to live in a better place. Yes, sir. And Brother Ben tells about those knots that will get untied in the millennium. And in the millennium, Benjamin finally does what they're supposed to do and fulfills the prophecy of Deuteronomy 33, 12. They're still guarding the king, finally fulfilling the destiny. And we're told in Revelation 7, 8, you know there's a group of, of Jews that are redeemed of the earth. They're special to God. And at the end time, he's going to reveal Christ to them. It's 144,000 Jews. Right? And I want you to notice that when he does that, it says of the tribe of Zebulun was sealed 12,000, of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000, of the tribe of Benjamin. Now you remember Dan and I believe it was Ephraim were kept out of this? Remember Brother Branham deals with that in the seventh seal? They were, they were kept out because they were idolaters. Yeah. But he said even they, in the, down, if you go down to the millennium, they're there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Amen. You talk about the grace of God. Don't give up hope. 
Don't give up hope for your family. You say, well, my kids haven't, been, haven't become everything that I expected them to become in this life. Don't give up hope. They were born for a reason. And so now we find it's interesting to me that each tribe was given 12,000 of these redeemed at the end. In, during that tribulation period, when these, these 144,000 come out, there will be the same number from Benjamin as all the other tribes. Amen. They'll all be the same size. I want us to read Revelation chapter 14 as the musicians come tonight. Revelation chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. It says, I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, as the voice of a great thunder. I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, but they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. I love this. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Oh, God could do that for the tribe of Benjamin. A tribe, and as we get further into this story, you're going to realize some of the awful things that they did. But a tribe of warlike people who never seem to get it right until Paul finally breaks that cycle in the New Testament under the Holy Spirit. But they never seem to get it right on this side. But over there, they're without fault before the throne of God, why they accept their atonement. Would you bow your heads with me tonight? I don't think any of us would dare to say that we're without fault on this side. Surely not me. But there's coming a day when I'm going to have a new body born under a perfect image of God. They'll be able to say about me what I can say about my soul now. They, they are without fault. Don't you want to be there on that day? And there's something down inside of your heart would say, Lord, I want to stand there and hear the Lamb proclaim He is without fault. He's accepted His atonement. He's accepted what I provided for him to change the birth path, to break the cycle, make him without fault. Oh, don't pick fault at one another all the time. Don't be a church like that. God help us today. We don't want to be somebody that constantly finds fault. And I'm sure there's fault to find. But in the eyes of God, we are without fault before the throne of God. Don't you want that to be your story? Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, as we come to you tonight as children of God, and I, I haven't preached this in a way maybe that, maybe that would be do justice to the story. But Lord, would you just take it and reveal it to the hearts and minds of the people? Lord, that we are without fault before your throne even today. 
because of the blood that you shed. One day we'll stand in perfect bodies, having completely given over to you our, our lives, everything that we have, having surrendered on this side. Lord, we obtain something so much greater. We give up mortality to become immortal. We give up anger to become peaceful. We give up strife to become godly. We give up hate to become loving and to be loved. We're so grateful for, for that, Lord. What a trade-off it is. What a good thing, Lord, that it is to be able to do that. Help us, Lord. Help us not to, not to hold back a thing. We want to be able to say, we want you to be able to say that we are without fault before your throne. Lord, would you just go in every door tonight? If there's any anger left there, if there's any, if there's any resentment, would you just purge that out by your Holy Spirit? Lord, that we could stand there, the, the spotless bride of Jesus Christ. We want to be judged here, Lord. We come. The house of God is a house of correction so that we can be judged. Lord, if there's temper there, temper maybe at our wife or our children. Lord, and maybe it's, it's beyond. Maybe we wish we hadn't done it. Lord, when we fly off the handle, it's insanity. God, would you help us today? Would you just help keep that under check? It takes temper to keep a man running. But Lord, would you control it by the control tower? you control our thoughts, our actions, our words. Lord, help us not to be what we are, but to be what you want us to be. Grant it, Lord. Just take your great chisel today as we're here in your presence. Chisel us, Lord, by your word, by your spirit. Anoint us with the oil, the salve. Lord, correct us and then, and then build us up where you want us to be. Ask in Jesus' name. come and pray. Maybe there's something touch or don't hurt for a Christian to come and pray once in a while. I feel like I need to pray this evening.
have been told Yes, I have found the joy, no 